Welcome to the Do the Woo podcast, where we talk about all things WooCommerce and other news that affects you as a Woo user. I know personally that Liquid Web offers some of the best WooCommerce managed hosting you'll find that'll fit your needs no matter what you are selling or the size of your online store. So I suggest you check them out over at liquidweb.com and if you use a code BOBWPWOO, that's B-O-B-W-P-W-O-O, you'll get 50% off any plan for your first two months. So head on over to liquidweb.com. And now on to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Do The Woo episode 12. I'm Bob WP. Uh, I finally dragged Brad back from um, back. His, his time in Disneyland. We weren't a couple weeks ago. We weren't on the air. I had some stuff going, and he was he was um, spending his wee hours with uh, Mickey and Goofy and all those. How how, do, how was it, Brad? Terrible. It was the worst. No, it was great. Um, <laughs> Disneyland, man, it's the magical, most magical place on earth, right? So, yeah. took my uh, three year old son. Had a great time. Got to meet. Uh, uh, Lightning McQueen at Mater from Cars World and Mickey and Minnie and all the even a couple of the evil witches which were fun um, it's a cool cool place regardless of your age I was I had a very very good time nice to unplug too for a week and um, yeah. experience life in real time <laughs> you know yeah sounds like a deal to me so yeah so um, our our guest today Patrick Rollin. Hey, Patrick. Patrick's just kind of a boo kind of guy. You know, he's been in the space for a little while <laughs> doing stuff. Uh, how's it going, Patrick? Uh, it's going very well. I haven't been to Disney World, Disneyland, any of the Disneys, but but life's pretty good. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I, well, I've, yeah. I've been to Disneyland once. I think I took Judy there for her 40th birthday, and she said... I could have done better. So, um, I mean, it was one of those things, you know, it, it was kind of, it was a really hot time and it was not hot in the fact of, you know, it was literally hot, too hot, the weather. And it just, yeah, we mm-hmm. just didn't quite, I don't know. She, you know, I, I think having a kid with you mm-hmm. makes it more of the experience. And we so, just yeah. kind of went around with my mom. We took my mom there and we all, you know, so anyway, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was not magical, I, I, huh, Bob? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite Still as magical as I'd hoped. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patrick, you have been uh, doing some stuff, and I, I thought maybe we'd you know spend a good chunk of this show talking a little bit about it because it's it's definitely even though it isn't. I mean, you know, you I guess you could say commerce related in the sense. Hey, it's products and. How many of us can say we've actually created a product? I, I know I can't. So, um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that. Just tell us what it is, because maybe not everybody knows yeah. what you're up. Yeah. So first of all, Bob, I love talking about stuff. So uh, and I've done right some place. stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I I've been doing this for a while. I've been doing e-commerce stuff for a while. Uh, God, I think I joined WooThemes back in like 2013. So it's, it's been a while since I joined WooThemes and got re- that's when I really got into e-commerce. Um, I wanted to understand what, what it's like to be a store owner. Like I think if you're in the WordPress world, a lot of you know what it's like to run your own WordPress site. 
you know, you have a, if, even if you're a development shop, you still have to build your own WordPress site to attract clients, but not many people who build e-commerce sites actually sell physical products. So last year I said, I want to make a physical product. Uh, it took me a couple months. I decided I should build a board game because why not build a product I actually like? So uh, came up with lots of ideas, listened to all the podcasts, did all the stuff. Took me a little bit over a year and I released my own card game called Fry Thief on Kickstarter. So that's just the start of the journey. There's, there, I've got so many more decisions ahead of me, like what platform I want to host on and how I want to, how, how I want to structure the company and, and how I want, how many units I want to order. There's, there's a lot of stuff to do, but so far a year in, I made a product, I marketed it and I launched it on Kickstarter. Um, so that, that part's done. I'll probably spend the next year sort of building the brand out a little bit more. That's interesting. So is the Kickstarter, is it currently going on now or is it, is it completed? Nope. It's all done. So I started it early February. Um, my, my goal that last year was to have the Kickstarter ready to go by the end of the year. And I, I just waited, basically I had it ready to go. I waited through January because I just assumed people didn't have money after Christmas. That's just, comp- that's, that's probably, some yeah, smart thinking there. <laughs> I, I think that's the right decision. Um, and then yeah. I launched it early February. It was, I think it was like a 20 day campaign. Um, so a, a relatively short campaign, and I raised ten grand over over that campaign. What's cool is um, I, there's there's a way in Kickstarter you can have like a late pledge button, and people can like pledge your campaign late at like a slightly higher cost. Uh, and I've actually had like a hundred bucks come in that way. So that's a just a fun unexpected thing that's come in. But yeah, the campaign is done, and now I'm talking with my manufacturer and doing all the stuff after that. Yeah, I'm always fascinated so, by the campaign, the Kickstarter campaign. Bob, you do any of the, you back any campaigns like on Kickstarter or any other? You platform? know, I haven't done that many of them. You know, I think I've done. Uh, I backed one recently on a game that that a guy I know did. Um, <laughs> other than that, I don't. <laughs> other than that, I don't do a lot of them. I don't. I don't know. It's it's one of those kind of you know, unless I know the person, mm-hmm. I, I'm. I, things i'm thinking what you know what if what if maybe maybe it's just not my my thing how about you brad do you spend all your time backing stuff no um i've done i kind of similar right like i don't just like browse kickstarter and and some of the other sites Mm -hmm. but every once in a while something will kind of come across from a friend or on social media that i find is interesting i think uh, i I love the idea i love the platform it's really cool um, to see you know, things like your game going to come to life and maybe it wouldn't have otherwise, or at least you know, get some great press out of it too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of builds that audience before you even necessarily have to have the product ready, I think. Um, but there also have been a number of them, bigger ones that have not yeah. ended well. And I think some it's gone, it's gave people a little bit of yep. pause maybe um, on some of the bigger backing, you know, uh, campaigns and stuff. But I, all in all, I think it's it's a cool cool platform and a cool, cool way to do things. Yeah. One of the things that you learned, so I've been, so because I wanted to launch on Kickstarter, I backed probably like 26, 30 projects in the last year, just basically for me to follow, to basically to be the customer, follow their journey, see what Mm -hmm. they did right, see what they did wrong, and then learn from those lessons. But while backing those like 30 campaigns, I learned a lot, uh, just, just a lot of like really common sense stuff. Like, oh, this person didn't send out an update for a month and I was didn't know where anything... Yeah, where's my product? Um, so you, you need to send regular updates. Um, one other thing though, Brad, is different industries do Kickstarter very differently. So video games fail all the time. And by fail, I mean, they raise all the money, they take all the money and they're like, it'll be done in a year. And then it's like five years yeah. later, some yeah. like really bad version of video of a video game comes out. 
that's because there's like technical complexity and all the stuff with right. board games specifically. What's great is there's you're basically printing cardboard and wooden or plastic tokens. Like there's like the the hard part is done before the Kickstarter, if that makes sense. So those those tend to be much more safe. Um, I'd say board games maybe come a couple years late, but they almost never fail. <laughs> that's that's good. Actually, one of the uh, Kickstarters I, I recently backed. Well, I say recent. It's been over a year now. Was the new Toe Jam and Earl video game. Um, and it just came out on hmm. the first, like four days ago. I think it was supposed to come out last year and kept getting pushed, but now it's, yeah. it, it looks pretty successful and they rolled it out on a bunch of platforms, but I can absolutely see mm-hmm. how that would happen. You get, you get this great idea. You're ready to go. You get all this money. And then it's like, Oh yeah, now we have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> totally. So, um, no, that's interesting. But- so now you're at the stage of, um, the Kickstarter is over. Yeah. Um, you've received the kind of investment. You have your, uh, I, I guess it's a one-pager up, right? Your site. Yeah, it's just a very simple one-page site right now. And I think you mentioned in the notes that you are glad you went this approach versus kind of going full-fledged, full website build at, from the start. I'd like, maybe you could touch on totally, that. Oh, on totally. That. So what, okay, so let me, let me take this one step back because I think that explains it better. So one of the things I, re, I, I assumed when I was an e-commerce developer is that when you come to me with a project, you have like everything planned and done. You've like done all the product research, you've, done, you've made your brand and you've, you've, just, you've, you've done all the steps in some sort of like logical sequence. And one of the things I realized is that product development, branding, marketing, all of these are like overlapping stages. And so it's really helpful just to have an incredibly simple... I, I paid ten dollars a month for a landing page generator for, for while I was marketing this 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 product, mm-hmm. and that gave me so much flexibility. I could change it's, everything was drag and drop. It wasn't anything complicated. I just had a couple of forms where you enter your email address. Here's a couple of testimonials. I had a background there. Here's a couple of photos. Add a background. Uh, add another form. Add a video. What, whatever. I I guess I just I, I think I didn't realize how important it is to stay nimble. In in the beginning, when you're when you're about to launch a br- a brand new company or about to launch a brand new product, you just don't know. Uh, I I changed my product six months after its initial conception, pretty drastically. And if I had already paid five or ten grand in development costs, that would have been really really hard to do mm-hmm. when you're only paying ten bucks a month for some sort of simple landing page yeah. builder. That that's just a, such a good way to start. One one of the things I've been thinking a lot about now is I think WooCommerce and actually WordPress sites in general. Like it's it's amazing. It's like building your own house. You can control every single thing, but you don't build your house before you know you want to live in the neighborhood. So I think when a new business comes my way, if they're ever asking, should I build with WooCommerce? Yes, great option. As long as you know you're going to be here for a couple of years doing this doing this job. Right. Um, but if it's just a brand new product concept, just start something simple with a like a it's landing. That's a, a really smart approach. It's something we kind of preach to clients quite a bit because. Mm. You know, they they walk in the door and they have this grand vision, which is great. You know, this twelve month plan of of what they want to get to, but it's like, what's what's like the MVP? What's the version one yeah. that we can get out the door in a month or two versus twelve months and start getting some real time users, real time yep. feedback? And almost every time that we do that, um, the we learn stuff. Um, the client learns stuff yep. how how the users are interacting with their site or their features or whatever it is they're doing, maybe how they're purchasing product or what product is actually a hit versus not. And it, it changes. It absolutely changes the later phases. Yep. Uh, so it's a really smart approach. You know, don't dive in head first until you truly know what it is you, you want to do and what's working versus not working. So kind of dipping your toe in with a, a landing page or an MVP. I, absolutely. Uh, is, is great, great advice. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So what happened, uh, I, I guess through this process, you said that obviously the site was not the biggest element. You had all these other variables, all these other components you had to juggle and you finally realized that. So what was the toughest thing to juggle? What was the thing that just kept gnawing at you and, you know, up to this, up to the point where you are now? Yeah. So, okay. So but, uh, you guys have built sites for clients. You guys know how sometimes clients are unresponsive. No, stop. <laughs> so yep. I realized why that happens. It's because they, they're, they, it's sort of like a giant ball of yarn. There's so many things that you have to do. I'm talking to my graphic designer to update these things. I'm talking to a professional reviewer who gave me some really good feedback and I want to implement it. I'm talking to my manufacturer about what happens if we change the, the cover of the box to a spot gloss instead of a flat mat. Like I'm these, there's very, there's a lot of conversations and threads going on. And the website is usually like one of my last concerns. Um, I'd say for me, Bob, I, I tried to manage review. So I worked with professional reviewers who gave me some good advice and I did make some final small tweaks. Uh, working with manufacturers was, is very stressful. I found out they're very bad at communication, generally speaking. And I, they, they have very weird work hours. They're, they've broken English. That was incredibly stressful. And even working with other professionals in the industry, I found I had to hire an illustrator. And I sort of had the choice between hiring someone who's going to charge me like $100 to $200 per individual piece of art. And that's, that's a lot. Or I found someone who works part-time. It's not their main job, but he charges like 30 or 40 bucks per illustration. And, and th- they come with different communication expectations, right? Like the, the person who person who charges 100 to 200 per illustration, I can probably email them any day. They'll get back to me by the end of the day. The person who does this part-time, I kind of have to text him on the weekends to get work done. Um, and that, and that, that, that was a choice I made. So I've, I just feel like I've been busy doing a thousand things and not paying much attention to the website. Does, does that answer the question? Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. It, yeah. Until it's time for the website, then it's like, we got to move. We need to launch next week. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, no, I, I get it. There's a lot of moving parts. I can't even imagine what goes into, you know, producing something like this. I, I got to say, I actually, I love the graphics, you know, just looking at oh, good. your website and the Kickstarter and some of the uh, the graphics that you're showing off there um, are really cool. Very clever. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's um, it, it has been a long, long process. Like I wish I, I, I wish I could say I thought of this, all of this originally, but as I said before, it is like a, a gradual process. Like as I'm building the website, I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I did this to the cards then I go to that to the cards and a couple months later, update the website to sort of reflect the new art style. Um, it is a very iterative process. So are you currently uh, kind of circling back to the website? Are you currently mm-hmm. working to build out the full-blown uh, e-commerce experience now? Is it, is it still somewhat on the back burner as you focus on getting the product um, you know, all figured out? Or where so are you at in that process? Awesome question. So for right for probably one or two more months, um, I can sort of keep that late pledge button on my Kickstarter page, and I'm just going to keep that. That's like the simplest solution right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but after one or two months, I do want to have my own website selling this uh, selling this product. Since it's my only only product, I'm probably going to have like a single, basically a single pager because I don't need more than that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do want to have a full website, and then. One of the things I realized um, very quickly looking at these numbers, a lot of my revenue comes from people getting add-ons or multiple copies of the game. So I'm now, now that I've gone through this, this launch process, now I know people really want to have multiple copies of the game. You can get these little add-ons so it plays with more people. I am definitely including those on the website and definitely yeah. making those an upsell. And then there's all sorts of fun, fun stuff you can do with free shipping where you, you only get free shipping when you order two copies of the game, stuff like that. I, I, I've learned a lot of those things. 
But for one or two more months, I, I just wrapped up the campaign two weeks ago, I think. For one or two more months, I'm going to keep the button here. And then I hope to build the website in the meantime. Nice. And you're obviously you're a little biased towards WooCommerce with your, you know, your background at WooThemes mm-hmm. and, and working pretty closely with the platform. Did, have you, did you look at other platforms? Was it already a predetermined decision that you're going WooCommerce? Was there any comparison there? Uh, I've been in WooCommerce so long and I've wanted my own WooCommerce store for so long uh, that I'm probably just going to build it in WooCommerce. But, yeah. I, but I, I go to um, Shopify Unite every year for like the last three or four years. They, they do a great job. They have an amazing product. If someone else... It, so, I mean, I have a background as a WooCommerce developer. If someone else was doing this, I'd probably recommend make, for their first product that's very simple. Shopify right. is pretty good. But I, I, like, I like knowing that I can customize anything down the road. So right now, I don't need customizations. But down the road, I'm, I, if, I build my, if I build my site this way, I'm free to customize it any way I want. Yeah. He said the S word, Bob. Did you get? Yeah, I know. I know. We Uh-oh. we're gonna we're gonna um, beep that out. You know, I I got good editing skills. So, <laughs> no, it's funny because I you know, and I'll admit it. I I'm similar. Like I have a lot of friends and family that obviously, if you're in the web space or tech space, everyone just assumes you can do everything, which is <laughs> funny, right? But when you're in the web space, you're like, oh yeah, you can build websites. Like, can you help me launch an e-commerce store? And I'm like, you know you should start with like Shopify, yeah. <laughs> like prove your concept, right? Because I, it's not as simple as just clicking a couple of buttons and away you go. And it's really all e-commerce platforms, you know, an open source. There's just a lot of configuration and questions you have yep. to ask yourself and, and workflow, you know, checkout process workflow and all that stuff you have to really map out. And if you're just trying to prove like, can I sell these things I make on the side for fun? Like, will it work? you know, go with an Etsy, go with a Shopify, go with something that's hosted and quick and cheap. And you can just kind of prove your concept. And then when you say, Oh, this is working. Yeah. Now you, now you take the leap to something that's bigger and more flexible. Like you said, you have the background, so you know what you're doing. Most people that are looking to run a store don't. Absolutely. So so it is a good recommendation. So, and just, just a little bit of data there. So in just in the board game world, specifically a third of Kickstarters fail, meaning people who are in my exact same spot, they've been preparing for this for six months or a year still one third of those people still don't even have enough money to raise their initial capital investment. So if all those people build websites, that would all be like wasted money. Um, So it is really helpful to have some validation either through Kickstarter or just have a simple Shopify site or, or just a couple orders on Etsy is some validation and go build, then go build your custom, whatever you want. And when you say they fail, you you mean they don't hit their, their target goal. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And and that, and that time I specifically meant the one third of board game Kickstarters do not hit their target goal. Hit their target goal. Hmm. So two thirds do, which is actually higher than I probably would have assumed. Mm -hmm. I probably would have guessed it was more like 50, 50 or something to be honest, but I I think, yeah, I think I look at this a little bit nostalgically where five years ago, anything on Kickstarter got like, Five thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand yeah. dollars, and now now there's some competition. Now you have to, you do have to understand some positioning. But yeah, it is, it is pretty high when you think about it that way. Yeah, yeah, and that's true. When it was like new and and, and <laughs> the new hotness, and everyone loved it, and um, and now like we kind of mentioned earlier on, with a few pro, like high profile projects kind of you know going down in flames, yeah. <laughs> maybe people are a little more hesitant to just throw money at everything that looks nice. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's it's fun to hear that. I've never done run a Kickstarter myself. I've I've even in, invested in one where it was a local art project in, in our mm-hmm. town here, and they were looking to raise some funds to do this mural under a bridge. And I was like, that's cool. Like, not only am I backing something that I that I care about, but it's in my local community. It's not just some 
you know, a game or a tech thing or a gadget. It's like I'm improving my community through a Kickstarter campaign, which was really neat. That's very um, cool. Yeah. So, and they had the different levels. One of them was like, get your name on a plaque. So we did that level and I put my, you know, my son's name there. So every time I drive by and he's three, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. But I'm like, your name's under that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so someday we'll go there when he can actually see it and, uh, and understand what it means. But it's pretty neat. You know, a little bit of legacy in the town for a cool mural. And oh, totally. This is a good, a uh, good platform for it. Totally. I'm thinking before we move on, I got to hear this uh, story behind the shipping mistake you had. I'm just looking at some notes here. And I I always like, you know, the word mistake always stands out. Bob loves a good mistake. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You know, there's nothing like a good solid mistake. And one is you wanted to use a bigger, sturdier box. What was the mistake there? You used a flimsy crap? Um, No. (laughs) Uh, so, I mean, so I want this game to be able to sell in stores. So I sort of designed it to eventually like make it stand out on a shelf. And so I made the box. So, I mean, I, now we're on video right now, you know, so it was like an inch and a half and then I increased it to two inches and that just, it just gave it a little bit more presence and it's a very sturdy box. What I didn't realize is that moves you from the small flat rate box in USPS to the medium flat rate box, which goes from like, like just under $6 to like just under $11, something, something like that. And I, I made this, I made this and it looks great. And I actually got feedback from playtesters who are like, Patrick, the box looks amazing. I, and people were saying, you can probably charge more because of how this box looks. I'm like, wow, that's, am- that's great. People are literally saying I could probably charge more just from based on like how it looks on the shelf. Um, but then I went to ship it to reviewers. This was probably like end of November, end of November, end of December, something like that. And, um, when I took it and then I, I ordered some boxes and I realized they didn't fit. Um, so I had to pay, you know, five, five bucks extra for like 20 review copies, which was, or whatever it was. So it it cost cost me, I think it was a lot more for the international. Like I think international is like 40 bucks to ship it. And I was like, Oh God, this hurts. Um, that's, uh, it kind of reminds me of like just in software development in general, how one change can have an effect somewhere completely, um, well, in your mind, I guess somewhat unrelated when they are related, but it's like, so it's really like thinking through the whole thought of this little change, while it might look amazing, what else yes. could it possibly affect in some adverse way? And that's a really uh, kind of tangible way of mm-hmm. describing that, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I had a, I, I was just going to say, I had a, on a, the, my other podcast, I had a guy that was actually, he's in a professional packaging design and he did the um, Star Wars little toys and stuff for the star wars he worked for mattel and stuff anyway uh you should um listen to that podcast it was really interesting to hear that whole Mm. as far as product placement in stores and Mm. and how that works and i'm sure you've already dove into a lot obviously from uh, what you've talked about, but it it's uh, God, that's another whole different world there. It, it's another thing. And it, it, so, so this again reminds me that like all of the timelines are overlapping. Like I was basically, I thought I was done designing the product. And then as I was shipping out to reviewers, I realized I made a mistake and I had to email the reviewers. Hey, the box is too big. Just so you know, it'll be a little bit smaller. Um, and then I had to make all the updates on my website and I had to get updated shipping. Just, it just sort of like, it's this very complicated web. It's not a, I honestly believed when I got started in web development that websites are like what perfect waterfall project management systems, you know, where it's like design and it's 100% done. Then you move on to development, 100% done, you move on to testing and then you launch and it's perfect. And it's this, pro, this process reminded me of how interconnected everything is. Like 
you know, testing says, just change this one thing because it was confusing. And then you have to redesign it, redevelop it, and just go through all the steps again. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Well, uh, let's see here. We're, how are we doing on time? I think we have a little bit of, little bit of time here. Just a couple small, two or three small things. Uh, one, I was just going to mention um, a podcast I'd done with Matt Maldwig. And for those of you that don't know who Matt is, uh, the guy that does, uh, founded that WordPress thing that we talk about so much. And also um, Todd Wilkins, who is head of e-commerce at Automatic and had a quite a long conversation around WooCommerce, uh, Jetpack, uh, Gutenberg, all the fun topics uh, without the drama, actually, <laughs> is uh, what I call it, the podcast without the drama. And I, I don't know if there... Um, I'll put a link in if there was anything that really stood out. I, one of the things I thought was interesting when I talked more about blocks and WooCommerce, even though they're going to be... Uh, I'm sure adding some more. Uh, Todd mentioned that he also sees it more leaning towards the extensions. That's where the real power, and that's where I think they're the most excited about is what everybody's going to be doing with the extensions, all the different WooCommerce extensions. And I think that's where the opportunity is for them as far as, uh, yeah, as actually taking advantage of blocks. Gutenberg. I, I didn't know if you guys had a chance to look at if there's any or look at the transcript or listen to it, if there's anything that stood out or you or you made faces at. And um, don't tell me I should have asked them <laughs> this because I heard that on Twitter about five or six times. Oh, you should have asked them this. You should have asked them this. <laughs> Sorry, it's recorded. <laughs> the, the backseat interviewer, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Monday morning interviewer. Uh, I, I liked it. I listened to it uh, actually earlier today. And um, honestly, one of the lines that stood out to me, which I guess it makes complete sense, but I, and, and this has probably been mentioned before, but I never, this is the first time I heard it from Matt was that when they brought, you know, WooCommerce, when they purchased it, acquired it, whatever, under the automatic umbrella, that it was that their kind of core value changed from democratizing mm -hmm. publishing to democratizing publishing and commerce, which is kind of like an, Mm -hmm. obvious one right but i'd never actually heard heard him say that um at least not something i'd listen to so just an e-commerce platform it's an open source e-commerce platform which is um you know kind of has all those values and ideals that we hold wordpress the same with woocommerce and that's i think one of the reasons why it is so popular and why so many of us like to use it because of that it still is the core of what we're trying to do here um you know with open source so um i liked i liked hearing that i liked reading it and i highlighted it because i thought it was really cool um and it's right at the beginning of the interview but um it was it was nice to hear that mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, so I'm looking forward to all the different blocks. Todd just talked about uh, yeah, a couple different blocks that they're, that they're working on. I just want to see more more stuff that lets you customize the product page and how it looks. Like I want there to be some sort of like default product page, and then just but I so in e-commerce, um, long form uh, product pages convert really well. So when it's you add you add some videos beneath this, then you add some customer submitted photos beneath that, then you add some quotes, then you add some like those pages work really really well, and I really want to see WooCommerce let you do that somehow. Mm -hmm. um, so I look forward to that. But but Brad, to your point, I, I think uh, th this is something I struggle with is when you are... At, so if you're just a regular store owner, you just pick whatever... You're, like you're solving a problem, right? It's like, how do I get from point A to point B? 
And, but there is a philosophical reason to use open source, which I'm so in favor of, right? Of like, I control my data. I control Mm -hmm. the foundation of my business. And it's, it's good to be reminded of that. Um, Because if you're looking at a feature comparison, no one ever mentions you own everything. No one can ever take it away from you is a feature of WordPress. Yeah, you're right. I think it's easy to forget that some days and it's, we're always quickly reminded when some service shuts down and takes all of our data with it. It's like, you know, and we, we know it because we live it and we love it and we're passionate about it. But the majority of the internet mm-hmm. users out there do not. They don't even understand open source and why it's such a benefit and what owning your data means and how you accomplish that. But so we're there, we're the out there, you know, really pushing up the ambassadors of, of open source and the movement. All And not just, I'm not just talking about us three, but the whole community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is good to hear that and be reminded of these are the reasons totally. we are passionate about these type of tools and have podcasts talking about these type of tools. Yeah. Can I, okay, so, so I don't know if, I don't know if you guys normally do follow-ups, but I have a follow-up for you, Brad. Here, here's the way I've been thinking about this. Sure. I feel like um, hosted platforms are like Netflix. You just click, everything works, it's downloaded, it works, happy days. Owning your own data is kind of like going to a website, downloading the DVD, burning it to your own like physical DVD, and then putting in your own physical library. Yeah, in your own media, your Plex server, whatever. Yeah, you. it is entirely yours. You control yeah. it, no one can take it away from you. But compared to Netflix, so it's... How do you convince someone to go from Netflix to their own Plesk server? You got to make it easy, right? That's really, you know, yeah. The idea of downloading a movie, setting up a Plex server, understanding what that even means, running it on a, you know, smart TV or Roku or some device. Um, like I do that. That's exactly what mm-hmm. I do. But I wouldn't expect my dad to be able to do that. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to have to walk him through how to do that. So um, I think, it, it, honestly, I think the short answer is um, it has to be easy. Mm-hmm. and intuitive and i and honestly that's when we're when i'm talking wordpress to people that don't maybe know a little bit about it but not sure that much that's one of the things i explain is that one of the reasons in my opinion wordpress has gotten so popular mm-hmm. this past decade or so mm-hmm. uh, is because it is extremely intuitive mm-hmm. you know you can sit someone that's never used it down on the dashboard and say try to make a post um and this was I used to say this a lot before Gutenberg. I hope it still holds true. And usually they could fumble their way through making a post, right? Um, they may not do everything right. They may not select a category, but they'll mm-hmm. probably be able to understand you have to make a title, add some content, and hit the big blue publish button. You know, And I think that's one of the reasons um, it's gotten so big. And, and I think that is the big the thing we need to keep in mind. Com- e-commerce will always have some complexities, but how can they scale that back so the, the end user that maybe is just testing a concept can get up and running with a couple clicks, yes. just like you would on Shopify. And and we're certainly not there yet. Um, but, you know, I, I think we will get there, whether it's WooCommerce itself doing it or somebody building something that kind of layers on top of it. Or maybe it's another e-commerce platform for WordPress. I'm not sure. But, I mean, that's why I push people to Shopify if they're just trying something out. You give them 20 or 30 bucks a month, test your concept. It's super easy. Point and click and you have a site. Done. You know, you don't have to worry about hosting or plugins right. and updates and whatever. Um, but you give up some, some of those freedoms, right? Like totally. you just mentioned with proprietary. So, mm-hmm. Well, I'll uh, leave a link for everybody to that podcast so you can dive into it more themselves and, uh, and uh, go from there. It, uh, well, it's a good length too. Like the interview, I'm sure people, you mentioned people want to ask more questions, but I see a good 30, 35 minute podcast and I'm in. But if I see <laughs> yeah, an hour, yeah. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like that's a commitment. <laughs> It's like yeah, two, yeah. two hour mark in movies. As soon as it says two hours or one minute, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's a long one. 
Yeah, yeah, it definitely it, it went really smooth and uh, yeah, it's a good know, interview. Having them both on there too, which was mm-hmm. really nice. And Pat, uh, Matt actually was the one that suggested having Todd on as well, so I got a kind of a nice balance between the two. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was great. Uh, let's see. Um, we have some things to wrap up here. Kind of what's coming up, but before what's coming up, uh, it's, oh, you said there's a thing going on with Reddit. You put something in here. I, I'm not a Reddit here. person, so, so and I, you know, you. I don't know how many people are on Reddit. I've been a Reddit user for ten plus years. Um, I enjoy it, and I like finding. I think the whole global just going to Reddit.com and seeing like the most popular is interesting. But I think the real power of Reddit is these very kind of niche focused mm. um, uh, subreddits, and there's one for WooCommerce. So I thought it might be fun to mention. I was kind of going through it. It's pretty active. Um, very much focused on kind of um, help and support. You know, if you have a question, how do you do this? How do you do that? Something's not working. It seems to be that kind of focus, which is fine. And there's just a lot of interesting threads. Um, at the very least, if you um, are already kind of a, you know, a little more advanced with WooCommerce, I, I think seeing some of this stuff can give you a good perspective of what normal users are struggling with, whether it be someone developing or even a shop owner, Um you know, like you mentioned, Patrick, a lot of people maybe build sites, but they're not running an actual store. So I feel like you can see some of the concerns, frustrations that we yeah. might take for granted and say, oh, of course, it's this, you know, um, but the end users maybe are struggling with. So um, it's pretty fascinating. Thought I'd throw it out there, give it a little plug. So it's just uh, reddit.com slash r slash WooCommerce. All right. Check cool. that out. Cool. And also on the horizon, you, um, I know there's a conference coming up, a bunch of I mean, it's, it really relates because it's going to be a lot of product creators, content. I mean, you know, a lot of people in the business WordPress space. Uh, you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So Pressnomics, um, it'll be the sixth one. Um, I think they skipped last year, if I remember right. But this will be the sixth, sixth showing. But basically, it's a it's a WordPress-focused event around the uh, kind of focus on the economics. So the essentially companies making money with WordPress and it's primarily, I would say products. Um, there's definitely an agency presence. There's definitely a hosting presence. Um, but a good majority of it is people selling products, um, for WordPress, whether it's plugins or themes or, or maybe even services around WordPress. Um, but it's very much focused on that commerce side. Um, of of the WordPress community and what we're doing here. So always a pretty big WooCommerce presence. Um, so I want to throw it out there because they've, uh, they just opened up tickets. Um, I think it was last week. Um, the event's going to be Wednesday, September 11th through Friday, September 13th out in um, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona. So um, take a look. It's a little very different from a WordCamp. So I don't want you to uh-huh. assume it's just a WordCamp focused on this. It's mm-hmm. very much more, way more kind of, I would say, um, aligned with like a kind of a traditional business um, event versus like a WordCamp. So there's a, I've been to three of them, I believe, and a lot of value, a lot of great conversations, a lot of value, a lot of networking, a lot of good presentations. Um, so definitely a worthwhile event to check out. So, so I'll just give my my own two cents there. Um, I, I've only gone to one Pressnomics, really liked it. What's, what's amazing is I met someone who lives just north of Denver in Fort Collins here, Colorado. Um, and he is, he's, he, last year was, he, I sort of helped him get into the WordPress WordCamp community here in Denver. And he was the lead organizer the last two years. So I met him there, got him into the community. He helped lead WordCamp Denver for the last two years. 
and we're like really good friends now. So it's just funny how you meet people, you know, he's like, he's like an hour North of me and I didn't know he existed, but I met him in at Pressnomics and he's an awesome WordPresser. And That's so you meet cool people. Yeah, cool. for sure. All it's right. a good, it's a very opening group too. If you've never mm-hmm. been, it's very welcoming, very open source minded because that's what it is. So yeah, it's a good one. Pressnomics.com has all the details. All right. Excellent. Uh, Patrick, besides um, building this site for your new game, what else is on the horizon? Yeah, so WooSesh went really well last year, and Brian and I have started sort of talking about what we want to do this year. Um, I really, really enjoyed running it last year. I, I we're, again, we're just starting to pl- we're just starting to plan it. So if you have any ideas for WooSesh, just ping me or Brian on Twitter, uh, or email us, or reach out to us through our, our websites. But um, we really enjoyed it, and we're just we're just excited to like do do it better next year. We don't even know how we're going to do it better yet, but it's fun to to start talking about that. 20, yeah, 24 so hours. Yeah. 20, 20. <laughs> 24 hours, that is one way. <laughs> the, original, the original couple uh, were sessions Scott and I ran was the, uh, we, it was 24 hours straight, which was, which was a marathon to get through. <laughs> but, yeah. but maybe don't do that because it's a little bit tough from a mm-hmm. organizer standpoint. Yeah. It really. is. So yeah, and I I have uh, let's see what do I have coming up? I have a going to be creating a second site, a little going to be um, offering some coaching services again, little minimal coaching services around content. Uh, see what else? Oh, my other podcasts I'm going to be announcing soon. That's going to be changing the format. It's going to be the same kind of pod. I mean, it's going to be the same podcast, but different. And then WooCommerce related in April 1st, I'm doing my 48 hour marathon content marathon again. So I'll be doing, um, pushing out 48 pieces of content every hour on the hour for 48 hours. And they're all going to be WooCommerce related content. So, um, so I'm busy working on that and all that stuff will be more formally announced soon, but that's kind of what's in the works. Just a few things here and there for me. So, so, um, so that's it. Uh, cool. Appreciate it, Patrick. Uh, love having you on. You know, I know I've had you on the other podcast several times and <laughs> time to get you on this one. Great to hear about everything that's going on. I want to remind everybody that, yes, they can get two months half price, 50% off at Liquid Web on their WooCommerce Managed Hosting. Just use the code BobWPWoo and you'll get 50% off your first two months. So again, thanks Patrick for joining us. Thank you, Patrick. This was great. Thanks for sharing your story. And I think it'd be a lot of fun uh, if we could have you back on once you've the site's up and you, you know, I'm sure you're going to learn some things Definitely. once the site goes live and how users interact and kind of, you know, wrap up the story, if you will, um, of, of your board game. So best of luck yeah. to you. Looks cool. <laughs> Well, first of all, I love talking about stuff. So thank you for having me on here to talk about stuff. But uh, yeah, I would love to be back on at some point. For sure. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, you can go ahead and subscribe, do all that good stuff to our podcast. And until a couple weeks from today, we'll talk to you later. See you around. See you. Bye-bye.